Hi, everybody. This is Mel. And this is Jill. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey, Jill. Hi, Mel. I'm sorry if my voice is extra sexy mannish right now. I am hopefully on the tail end of a really fun cold. I I mean, a little a little mannish. It's not okay. awful. You know, but I think you're good. You don't you said you don't feel terrible, so, you know. Hey. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. I don't have like I would say I'm like 75% better. Like, I don't have the energy I normally do, but I'm no longer, like, have the brain fog and, yeah. like, the headache and, like, the heavy congestion stuff going yeah. on. Exactly. Well, that's good. Hopefully, you continue to mend quickly. Yeah, have- I'm over it. I've been sick all week, and I'm like, can, it, can I not? We can have I not be sick? I know. Plus, we have such a busy week coming up. Like, oh my god, yes, yes, huge, <laughs> huge week because VPR is coming back, and I also have to like finish my reread of Fourth or Iron Flame this weekend, and because House of Sky and Breath comes or not Sky and Breath, House of Flame and Shadow comes out on Tuesday. Did you see, I mean, I hope you saw because I posted it to our Instagram account, but like, did you see that she <laughs> posted like I, I, the, the prologue, prologue in the first chapter? Yeah, the prologue in the first chapter. Yeah. Obviously, yes, I saw that. Okay, good. <laughs> I am not some, I'm not going to go read it. Like, I'm, I want to have the either. book in my hand I because like. I'm going to need more than just a prologue in a single chapter. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't need the teaser. I'm already on the edge of my seat. Absolutely. I I can't. I, I want to because as soon as I read it, I'm going to want to read the rest of it. So I'm yeah, going to wait. I, I, I need all 900 gajillion pages of the book. <laughs> In my hands. Because I'm not going to be able to stop. I already told all of my coworkers, literally, I was like, guys, I am leaving on time on Tuesday and I'm going to be offline like the I've, whole night. I've you got shit to don't read. Don't try to talk to me. Don't call like, me. <laughs> don't talk to me. I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know people... Well, I don't know people, but I have seen on TikTok that people have literally put in leave for Tuesday. Like they're going to like the midnight release and they're putting in leave for Tuesday so they can just read the book all day. That'd be nice. I Yeah, I don't I am not doing that. I'm gonna no. save my PTO for something else. <laughs> Same. Same. I have other things I would like to do with that PTO. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got it to burn, sure. 
Have at it. Yeah. Have trouble seeing yourself go to work that day. Yeah. Hell yeah. But I've got I've got things like to say P204, so I'm not going to do it on the book, but fair it, enough. Exactly. If you've got it, like, by all means, do it. Mm-hmm. So, but also, I think you mentioned it, but VPR starts this VPR week as does well. Start. I know. There's too many good things happening. I can't wait. So, I have not listened to this yet, but Rachel Raquel, I guess she's going by Rachel right now. Um, Rachel had another episode of her podcast and I have not listened to the whole thing and I know you won't listen to it. No, I won't give her the download. It's fair. It's fair. I just feel like a responsibility to do it because we're going to watch the show and I'm the one who introduces. So I'm like, I feel like I have to have all the facts. However, I'm totally fine just watching clips of it on TikTok. This is true. Other people. So this is bringing me full circle to exactly where I want to start. So I saw a clip where Rachel's talking about the thruple. Yes, but the the the, (laughs) what. Her proposed end of the affair she did, situation was gonna be. She did both, really. So the we'll talk about the like end game portion bit where she was like the producer again. This is an interview. This isn't a fucking podcast. So the producer asks her. So like, what was your end goal? Like, what was the thing? And I guess Tom had fed her this story about how. Well, everyone hated Ariana at first, but once everyone realized that she was there to stay, they just kind of accepted her and they grew to love her. And he was basically like saying she's it's going to be the same for her. And I just for so many reasons like this doesn't track, but she did say she's like history repeats itself or something to that effect. Which is hilarious because it's exactly what he did with Ariana. Exactly. I just hit the mic. Exactly what he did with Ariana. I'm Because I'm positive they were cheating while he was with Kristen. And they did exactly what he was proposing to do. And now he's just like doing he's it all over again. Yes. He's just everything I dislike about men yes a everything percent literally everything a thousand he percent. is the absolute worst and i don't like want like i would never actually inflict pain on him but if he stubbed his toe every day for the rest of his life on like the sharpest corner of his dresser i wouldn't be sad for him that is an epic um, curse to wish on someone. <laughs> I was looking for the word. Like just every day. Every just day. This, just this. Different time every day, but every single day he stubs his toe. It sounds awful. On the sharp corner of his dresser. It sounds awful. But yeah. Like also I, I want him to stub his toe so much his toe, his big toe, starts having really gross, disgusting calluses along it, oh, trying God. to 
And like he tries to get pedicures, but like there isn't a tech in the world who would touch his feet. Oh my god, it's like so much. So Tell much. me he's not worthy of that kind of fate, though. He is. He is. I think he's like a total piece of shit. And but the more I listen to these interviews with her, it's so clear that she was incredibly naive. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's so fucking manipulative. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not giving her she a was hundred percent complicit. Yes, she in was, what so, was going on. Yes, she was very complicit. She was in the wrong. And I will say she is taking ownership. She was like, I should not have done a anything. year later. Yes, a year later. And well, okay. I amend that. She is taking accountability in some aspects. She is making excuses in others. But she also acknowledges that some of the things that she was thinking were just so dumb and incredibly naive. And one of the things, like the thruple comment, so they asked, she was like, were you serious in that? Or was that just like, you know, whatever. And she was like, no, I was serious. Because she said that Tom and Ariana, like, give off this energy that they are in an open relationship. And she names these examples of like, there's that scene with Ariane in the pool and she takes her top off and then like we kiss. And I know that she and Lala like did some things in the back of Tom's car, which I actually, as I'm saying this, don't know if you're aware of. I'm not. Okay. Sounds interesting. Pause in the story. Ariana and Lala apparently had some fun, some female fun in the back of the car, which to each their own, they're both, they both are bisexual from my understanding. Or at least Lala like said, by curious. Yeah, sure. I guess if we're going to label it, that's what I throw her in the shit. I think she was like, I like to have some fun every once in a while or something to that effect. I don't remember. It was a while ago. But, to each their own. Yeah, to each their own. But I do remember it being outed by a male cast member. If I'm not mistaken, it was Jax Taylor, which that sounds par for the course. Yep, par for the course, but also gross. And then, yeah. So she's listing that as an example, right? Okay, but that doesn't mean she wants to be in a thruple with you. That means sometimes she likes to go down to Ladytown. Exactly. And that was my thought. It was like just because she's bisexual and they may have had some threesomes together does not mean that every attractive woman she wants to get with. Like she wants to be in a relation, like in a thruple situation because it's like a total that's not bisexuality no that's like polyamory yes and 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 they're not the same thing and it was the way she worded it and maybe i'm reading too much into it but the way she worded it very much gave me the vibes of like well she wasn't into me and it was like (laughs) okay so you just wanted him to have like a sister wife situation it, it was like i i think that that was her way of like trying to have her cake and eat it too or give let tom have his cake and eat it too like she gets to be with tom and 
she did say that she was like immediately shut down by Tom. Like, I, I think that this was a very delusional suggestion on her part. I don't think Tom even entertained it the way she said his reaction was, but I think it was her just being so incredibly naive and just like, in what world did you honestly think that this was going to work out in your favor? I don't know. It's like when lawful stupid meets evil stupid, but his power level is higher. Like, it's just, they're both stupid in their own ways. And I don't mean that from, like, an intelligence, but, like, God, how stupid can you be? Yeah. It was just incredible. The And I think she acknowledges that she was very stupid and naive yeah. in this situation. A thousand percent. She was dumber than a saccharine like it just blows my mind but it just makes it even more crystal clear to me that tom sandoval is in my opinion like has some serious issues so yeah i think we'll probably get more into it next well not next week i guess in the next episode because we it will be premiering here soon so we'll we'll have all the tea for you so much tea piping hot can't wait can't wait do you want to get into today's episode yes let's do it we are finally starting iron flame Uh, so obviously this was released last november very exciting we definitely kind of intentionally waited a while because it takes people time to read the book it is not a short book there's 66 chapters it's like over 600 pages long she she's not she's she's a little on the thick side so wanted to give people a chance to read it because we do like going into spoilery territory yeah giving everybody a chance to have read it but also i feel like it gives you a chance to marinate a little bit true and True, true, true let some things sink in Maybe hear some other people's opinions, form some theories. Like, I think it was a good pause, you know? I I agree. I don't want to go too fast into something before I've had time to, like, really think about it. And now I've had time to really think about it. I have some, some, some things to say. So I read the physical copy. I think we all, I think we even talked about some of the random issues that were with this printing. Yeah. Where, like... Certain editions had weird misprints in them. Mm-hmm. Kind of a big, crazy thing. Um, obviously, if you're listening on audio or uh, reading on Kindle, you're not really experiencing those things. Yeah. But in physical print, it was a little, it was a little crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I, okay, so I did buy a physical copy. I didn't read the physical copy fair yeah i i think i went into a long explanation of i have limited copies of things and you do yes so i didn't actually read the physical copy i do own it though but yeah it was an interesting interesting like issues and i wonder if we're gonna see that again i hope hope not. not yeah i hope not i don't Rebecca Yaros is still writing 
whatever the third book is going to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess I'm anxious to see where the story goes at the end of this, but I am okay waiting a, a while for it to be perfect. Yeah, I think we have all kind of fallen into this. I don't know what the appropriate word is, but like my mom calls it uh, calls us the microwave generation where we have like instant gratification when we just want it. We want it now. Um, I get why she would think that. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that uh label. I would say like we kind of grew up in the dawn of on demand content. Yeah. Like I remember pay-per-view. I remember pay-per-view when you had to literally dial in and pay yeah. for it that way. You know, and then it became quote video on demand. And then you got mm. shit like Netflix, or you got DVDs in the mail. And so it wasn't necessarily instant, but like you got to a point where you could watch stuff whenever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think people got so used to that. You just like, I can't wait for the next book. I can't wait for the next book. And I think big publishers and industries, like they forget that. And they're so focused on making money and pushing the next thing out. That they don't allow for enough time. And I feel like this book could have used a little more time in the oven. Agreed. It's not awful by any means. It's not bad. Like, I like the story. I think it could have stood, like I said, a little bit more time baking, I guess. Agreed. I I would have been happy if Iron Flame was coming out, like, this summer yeah just to give a little bit more time for the editor for it to really get fine-tuned because there's there's good meat and potatoes in this book but there's Mm -hmm. also some shit where i'm like i feel like you could easily cut 100 pages out of this book and have it be just as good if not better agreed and i think it it makes me a little nervous because I see her posts sometimes about like holding up in a hotel room and writing for days. And I'm like, if that's her process, cool. Yeah. I respect that. But and maybe it's just because I've seen too many movies about writers where it's like, I'm going to hole up in here and I'm going to, you know, pump this out. And it's like, is that really your best work? Like, if that's how you do it great you know what i mean but i it i don't know it scares me and it makes me nervous like is she trying to force this i don't want her to force it i don't think it's that at all i think she has a busy life she has kids she's a dog she has husband so she goes into hotel rooms or she goes off by herself so she can have quiet time to focus and so that she can because like Fantasy is not easy no. by any means to write. There's so much world building going on and like, you know, between that and character development and, you know, she has this bigger arch, like uh, like story arc that she's trying to achieve because there's going to be five books in this series. Like 
she's there's a lot of plates to keep spinning so i think it's more from that kind of a motivation not like i'm gonna go into this room and in you know a week i'm gonna pop out a, a you know the next no. great american novel like yeah. i don't think that's what she's trying to do i don't think so but it's like i guess it was like the comments about like oh i'm trying to meet a deadline it's like that doesn't give me confidence in you <laughs> so for <laughs> my from my understanding there's like multiple deadlines in the process fair. of writing books totally like you have to fair. turn in chapters and they don't have to be like sequential or anything like that but like if she's trying to meet a deadline, it just means like, oh, I have a small portion of the book that is due to my editor. That's fair. Totally fair. I acknowledge that that's probably part of the process. But like, you know, author tropes in mass media makes me feel like I dropped my... You're just throwing your Lego person around. It's Harry Potter. Like all I saw was a little that you were holding a Lego man. Okay, I was like t- I'm twiddling him with my thumb. Like you need a fidget toy, hardcore. What was I saying? How the media oh, yeah. tropes of authors make you not trust the process. Yes. But I'm gonna say tropes are just that. They're just tropes, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, just trust the process. All of this was for me to say if you <laughs> if you listen to the audiobook which i'm pretty sure is what you did or i don't know if it was in the kindle version cuz i didn't buy the kindle version there's actually a content warning in the beginning Shut up. of it would you like me to read it to you please are you, are you ready for this oh god i'm going to hate myself aren't i no i'm going to do my best while i'm sick to give you my best best bestest movie phone voice ever okay <laughs> iron flame is a non-stop thrilling adventure set fantasy set in the brutal and competitive world of a military college for dragon riders which includes elements regarding war psychological and physical torture imprisonment intense violence brutal injuries perilous situations blood dismemberment burning murder death animal <gasps> death graphic language, loss of family, grief, and sexual activities that are shown on page. Readers who may be sensitive to these elements, please take note and prepare to join the revolution. I mean, she's not wrong. She's not. All of those things do exist. I'm going to say something, and this is not specifically directed at you. That's fair. It's totally fair. How much of a fucking pansy do you have to be to be like, oh, it's a college, it's a book about war college. I wonder if there's violence. I wonder if they'll talk about torture. Yeah. I wonder if anyone will die. I, yeah. Like, isn't that like, but I feel like something you can just assume. It's so many, but it's so many books. And to me, that's not a content warning. That's a description of what's in the book. And it's like a dramatized description of what's in the book. Like, do those things happen? Yes. Is it written graphically? No. Like, no. I mean, I mean, kind of, but not like in a disgusting or scary way, I guess. 
No, it's not like they're rejoicing in the dismemberment. No, exactly. And even then, it's like, I don't even remember specifically the instance, but it wasn't even something remotely that I would have put as a trigger warning. I I really enjoyed the animal death specifically because that's fair that that's a mythical creature yeah that doesn't actually exist yeah but do you remember that we don't even like that dies Mm -hmm. true but there are some people and some things that do die that we do like that's true and do you remember how you felt when you read about dobby dying like that was gut-wrenching it was but like you need that that's what makes it real and what what makes stakes in a story is that you have to be willing to sacrifice beloved characters if everybody has plot armor oh, yeah. it's not exciting no i get fair a thousand percent fair i agree with you i just think that that was a it felt like bait it's not a real content warning to me cuz at the especially the last sentence Mm-hmm. Read it again. Readers who may be sensitive to these no, elements, no, no, no. just the last sentence, and prepare to join the revolution. That that isn't like you. Yeah, if, there's a call to action in this. This some poor marketing schmuck was told, uh-huh. please write a content warning. Yeah, but make it cool. And exactly. this is what we got. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry if you hear me. I have the actual physical book that I am showing to Jill yeah. through our video chat while we do this. Sorry in advance if you hear me lifting up and turning pages and things like that. And I've only got like 60 tabs. It's fine. She's only to chapter 10, too. 13. 13. 13. Sorry. Um, and I, I think the um, the Kindle version also had it, but we got like a a visual representation of how fourth wing is actually built with claw flame and tail section. I don't know if you had this. I'm looking at the white page. You need to move it. Sorry. There you go. If it had that, I didn't see it. You skipped it. No, because it takes you straight to the verbiage oh yeah i forget the kindle just takes you like right to part one yeah like right into it it's no fun um yeah i definitely didn't see that that would have probably been helpful it was helpful i did in (laughs) fact reference it a couple of times you also do reference the map i don't but like i do reference the map yeah the map is different than it was in fourth wing also how so? <laughs> uh, certain things are just labeled slightly differently. I'm sure so we'll come to it, won't some we? New information. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, just a friendly reminder: this continues to have the transcription of the variant. Uh, so I don't know if you even know this because you didn't read the physical copy of Fourth Wing either. But in both Fourth Wing and in Iron Flame. There's this another little piece that you apparently don't know about. So it says, the following text has been faithfully transcribed from the Varian into the modern language by Jacinia Nailwart, curator of the Scribe Quadrant at Basgayath War College. All events are true and names have been preserved to honor the courage of those fallen. May their souls be commended to Malik. 
I did notice this. I ab- okay. I did. Those are there in the chapters, mm-hmm. and I did notice this instantly. Hmm. I don't know how far into the future this is set. I don't know. But they're all dead, and she's alive. So at least some of them are dead. Yes. So now we start part one, chapter one. <laughs> so dramatic. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And, and before we even, so before every chapter, there's like these little like snippets of other shit. Which I feel like um, you have to include. So we are going to have to hit chapter numbers in this one. Yes. So I'm going to read you the one for chapter one. In this, the 628th year of our unification, it is hereby recorded that Arasha has been burned by dragon in accordance with the treaty ending the separatist movement. Those who fled survived, and those who did not remain entombed in their in her ruins. This is a public notice, 628, 628.85, transcribed by Sorelia Nailwart. Mealwort. So yeah. Mealwort. So somebody potentially related to Decenia in some manner because it's the same last name. That I didn't pick up on. Interesting. Anyways, chapter one. <laughs> We pick up three days from the end of fourth way. And we are in a kitchen and Violet is sitting there eating. I'm going to say this. The f- she's eating food. A hundred percent of the food sounds terrible. I don't even remember. I don't. I dislike all of like she's drinking milk. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All of the food sounds terrible in this book. Rebecca, can we get actual tasty sounding food, please? Okay, thanks. I okay. I'm gonna make a commentary. I'm. I know yes. we literally just started your one yes. sentence in, <laughs> but I can't remember if we talked about this in the last book or if you and I had this conversation while reading the book. But there is this like weird underlying thing that I feel like sometimes it made so much sense when I found this fact out about Rebecca Yaros. I guess she is either Mormon or former Mormon. So the milk comment made so much sense when I learned that because they don't do caffeine and it's like way more common because I feel like people who drink other things like it's not super common to drink milk as an adult. No. So it's like when as soon as I learned that, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense. It's still gross. Please don't. <laughs> it gave Does me more in- context. <laughs> I don't need context. Don't have them drink milk. It just gave me context as to why that felt so out of place. And then it's like, oh, that's why she made that choice, I guess. Like, it's just a. 
In, I, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> moving forward. I got focused on the milk. They're talking. And, you know, it's it's pretty chummy considering three days ago she thought he was dead. I felt but like I there was tension. Fall, I, think, I feel like you would just fall back into it. Like, with your sibling, like, it would be like riding a bike. You would just go back to your normal sibling conversations. Because she's, like, telling him it's creepy that he's watching her eat. I yes, I agree. I do feel like there was a little bit of tension because she's like, "What the fuck? Like, oh, yeah. why didn't you tell me?" But also, it is such a very sibling thing. Like, why the fuck are you watching me? Eat? It's weird. Uh huh. Don't be creepy. A hundred percent. So he, somebody comes. Bodhi comes in and says, "Lieutenant Colonel as riot." Azari, Azari, I don't know. It's Brennan's fake name because he can't exactly go by his own fucking name. He can't be a Sorengale. No. In the rebellion, in this revolution. And he's just got a missive from Basgaius. And the writer is waiting until tonight to take back his reply. It just seemed fishy to me that is it another rebellion? Can who is it from Basgaius? We never learn. And there's a blue wax seal on this, on this missive. I think. I think it's one of the teachers. I think it could potentially be one of the teachers, too, but. We don't get confirmation of who this writer is. True. So he has to go. And he goes down the hall to go to this assembly meeting. So there's like some democracy happening here in Eurasia and they have an assembly of I think it's like seven people. I don't remember. We'll get to it. Um, and you know, Violet finishes off her milk ugh, and goes to like follow him and she gets out of it into the hallway and this is like moments. She like finishes her glass, sets it down, and then goes to follow him, and she can't even see him in the hallway. He must have been, like, in a hurry, is what she says. But I want to keep that in our back pocket, because I might have a theory down the line. Okay. Okay. Um, and she's kind of admiring the whole, like, place of the of this house that they're in it's uh we we learned during this like whole like oh look at how cool the architecture is that it is zayden's house it is ryerson house here in Arisha. and she and the others who were at resin who were at athben um have been recovering here for the past couple of days so she talks about there seems to be this pattern on these doors but it's like she's almost too close to be able to see what it is again I'm just marking some of these things because I feel like they might matter at some point I don't know if it'll matter in this book or in the future who knows another thing she mentions is that from what she's read the Ryerson house has never been breached by an army even during the three sieges that she knows of so we know Violet reads a lot and it means that like 
there's a potential that the Ryerson house has never been like breached. So this is a very secure place. This is like he essentially lives in Helm's Deep. Can we say foreshadowing? Potentially. Uh, you know, you never know. Um, so she's wandering through the halls and she ends up like eavesdropping with Imogen and Bodhi onto the council meeting. And this is one of those places where I feel like editing could have been helpful because I don't know about you, but I could not figure out who the fuck was who during this whole conversation. And maybe that was intentional, but I didn't like it. It was, if I remember correctly, probably a little bit easier for me to follow. Like, had I been reading it, a hundred percent but because i'm listening on an audio version they're tweaking the voices ever so slightly so you know it's a different character so it was if i don't remember this instance specifically but i would assume it may have been a little bit easier for me to tweak and pick up on who it was with the voices it's probably a lot easier than on the page so the big conversation that they're having right now is they need to continue to support the griffins in the fight against the venom like the griffin writers but they need this thing called a luminary and there's only two it's some kind of device that they're using to make these weapons to forge these weapons and there's one in Basgaius. And this, the other one is with this Viscount Takaris. And we don't really know anything about him yet, but he wants something from Zayden, and it is a hard no from Zayden. Oh, because, yes, Zayden is in this fucking assembly meeting conversation, and he's, like, casually sitting in a chair, like, very relaxed. Like, he clearly owns this room. Yeah. I kind of... I mean, we're so early into the book, but it's like... Maybe he succeeded his father in being the leader of the rebellion. It it reads that way, 100%. It reads 100%. that way to me, so... That, like, he, the apple did not far, far from the tree. Yeah. No, not at all. So then the conversation turns to the uh, what to do with all of the people who were at Athbin, Athbine, however you pronounce it, with Zayden. And there's debate of if they can trust them to go to Basgaith or or do they need to keep them here? And There's layers of complication to this. I was going to say, it's just, there's so many things that could go wrong with both decisions. Like, it's not like there's a clear choice here. It's complicated and and messy. And, And one of the people in the assembly brings up that, like, it's not like most of them are useful right now. No. 
They're like first years. Yes, they're babies. They what? don't know a fucking thing. They're useless. <laughs> yeah, somebody was like, what do you propose, Felix? Running our own war college with all of our spare time? Like, fair. Yeah. Completely fair. So, yeah. And obviously, a lot of this attention ends up going to Violet as Lilith's daughter. But they got to remember, Lilith's son is a big person in this conversation like uh, they it, trust him they do but i am convinced that we don't know a very important piece of information why he faked his death or well didn't go back that but like he also clearly seems to have issues with his mom he does so it's like, it feels like something happened with the mom. hmm And obviously, I, like, I think I made it very clear. I don't trust the mom. You don't? I don't. So it just, it's like, it makes me even more suspicious of her at this point in the book. It was like, yeah. I feel like you're up to bad things. Not her brother, her mother. And it's like something very clearly happened off page. Something clearly happened. We don't really know what. Yeah. But all of this kind of comes to the point of like right now, the best solution is for them to send the writers back because then they can continue to smuggle weapons out of Basquiat and, you know, reduce their need to deal with Viscount Takaris. But they also and then don't die. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's that. like that. <laughs> um, they also talk about kind of like their outlook on the war and how it's progressing because it's not a war against Nevere, it's a war against the Venom. Yeah. And Brennan does not have a very positive outlook. He's saying that like it is going to be full out on like no way to keep it behind closed doors keep it hidden in six months i feel and that is a pretty bleak outlook yeah but i feel like that was said because if i remember correctly someone else was estimating longer yeah so then there uh, there's another person who's saying a year and brennan doesn't agree yeah brennan's like no this is gonna happen sooner and at this point in the book I would a thousand percent agree with him. It's like, this is happening very quickly. A hundred percent. Like, this is, we are hurtling down this hill towards a very spiky bottom. Yeah. Because y'all do not have this well in hand. No. No. Absolutely not. So, ultimately, it is decided that everyone's going to go back to Basquiat. And it kind of, it really does solve most of the problems. And that brings us to chapter two. And I have another thing to read from our little blurbs prior to the beginnings of the chapters. Are you ready for this? Okay. It is the valley above Ryerson House heated by natural thermal energy that is its greatest asset. For there lie the original hatching grounds of the Debmonden line. I 
don't even pretend to come even remotely close to Gaelic. So sorry if I butchered that. From which two of the greatest dragons of our time, Coda and Tern, descend. And this is from Colonel Kaori's Field Guide to Dragonkind. So what we learn in this is that Erasia is essentially Coda and Tarn's hometown. Right. That is where they were born. That's the, that's their hatchling ground uh, from their youth. It's interesting information. <laughs> Your face is so funny sometimes. Like... I know that the our audience can't see this, but you just like it's this very like I don't know how to explain that face like with words, but the the it's just the best way to like <laughs> explain it. I'm I'm just, you know, a curious human being. What's that? May, may be overthinking <laughs> all of this. What's that? Uh, Ted Lasso saying, "Be curious, not judgmental." Not that like this cause for judgmental, but like it just <laughs> be curious. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that brings us to chapter two, and you know the. <laughs> they get the, the eavesdroppers get discovered <laughs> and it really comes into Brendan and Violet need to have a conversation and this is that conversation so there's a lot of really important things here it is an awkward conversation but it's a very needed conversation one of the first things she says is there's so much I want to say to him so much I need to ask but suddenly the years we've been apart feel defining neither of us is the same person I mean think about it he left when she was a kid yeah and she's an adult now mm-hmm and losing somebody that you were close to at an age like that. Yeah, she was like 13 or 14. That is such a critical age. Like that would have some profound effects on you. Mm-hmm. And I think Brennan very conveniently forgets about the people that he left behind. I think he doesn't have a choice. He cannot function if he's thinking about Mira and Violet all of the time. That's fair. Because he does go on to mention, he's like, I, the relief I felt when I heard you had survived threatening, threshing is indescribable. And her immediate response was, you knew my eyes flared. He has sources at Vasgaia. Yeah. And his name is fucking Zayden Ryerson, you schmuck. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. But obviously, I felt like that was a hint at something bigger that is definitely going to come back. You know, I one million percent agree. Yeah. There's another thing I'm going to bring up as part of this conversation because she like asks where his she starts asking questions and she's like, <laughs> she's like, how exactly are you alive, Brennan? I shift my weight to one leg crossing my arm where's merb 
his dragon. Mm -hmm. What are you doing here? Why didn't you come home? And he's like, one at a time. He holds up his hands like he's under attack, and I glimpse a rune-shaped scar on his palm before he grips the edge of the table. Oh, I maybe forgot about that. Again, we're just going to note some things for the future. And so they ta- he talks about it a little bit, and um, he definitely has some critiques about how his mother is handling her leadership in the bear and how she justifies it and keeping the citizens unaware because it is very clear that she knows what's going on. She knows what's really going on. And he, he sort of just explains to Violet that he joined the, the revolution because he couldn't stand by and watch innocent people die at the hands of the dark wielders while everyone in the bear just, you know, this, you know, the, the leadership in the bear just like stays indifferent and selfishly just protects themselves. And yeah, I can see there being some merit to that. You know, he's confronted with this very traumatic experience and he's like, why are we not doing more? And the reason is like, well, we can't protect everyone. So we just protect our own. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult conversation for sure. They do go in and talk about the venom some more. Um, and yeah, I do have some thoughts about this. Like I kind of a little bit see where they're coming from because Mm -hmm. like a person is not necessarily stupid, but people as a group are stupid. Yes. And like, I don't know how real this is, but like, last year, it kind of feels like the government confirmed that aliens exist a little bit. Like, but can you imagine if they like full on came out and were like, yeah, they're real. Or like, something crazy like fairies or dragons or anything Anything like that supernatural anything that you're like that's a made-up story right Mm -hmm. you know you come out and confirm like yeah by the way that's real that's real people are gonna lose These, these aren't stories right like I feel like if they came out and were, like, super straightforward about it, people would, like, lose their shit, right? Oh, yeah. I think it is so... They made it so much worse mm-hmm. that they hid this yes. from the populace than just being honest from the get-go. Yeah, I feel like had they like, gotten... it's so much worse now. Had they gotten, in, like, been upfront and honest about it in the first place, like, yeah, it'd be rough. But, like, now you've convinced, like, a whole ass generation of people that this is Mm -hmm. make-believe. So they're, like, so unprepared because it's not real. 
to them. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking story. So then it's like, yeah. so you can't just come out and be like, oh, by the way, we lied yeah. to you and it's real. So exactly. get prepared. Everyone would lose their bananas. I mean, granted, I feel like it was a bit of like with the whole alien thing here. It was like everyone was like, yeah, and we figured that out a long ass time ago. But <laughs> Yeah, but this is actually a fairly well-kept secret. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> this would be like saying that all of the conspiracy theories like, around like if we didn't actually land on the moon yeah fair okay that's that a would great be like one being like oh no yeah we really actually faked that yeah and like that kind of a ripple effect and yes. like the lack of trust of the yeah it's that kind of thing i do think it's interesting though in here because they're talking about the Vi- the wyverns and violet has a better understanding than like brennan does and he's like a pretty high-ranking person at this point in the revolution and she's like oh yeah they're making them they're not hatching them remember the book dad read to us all the time and he's like oh you remember that from dad reading and she's like no i still have the book but i think this kind of goes back to what i just said it like Mm -hmm. it wasn't real to brennan so he probably like totally forgot that his dad even told him these, like, what he probably believed to be bedtime stories. A hundred percent. That is not the point I'm trying to make oh, here. Oh, okay. Sorry. What is the point then? That Brennan didn't realize that she still had the Book of Fables. And I think, oh, okay. I think that it matters. Oh, that book so very much matters. I'm with you that on that. That book is super important. I, I haven't quite exactly figured that out, but it is so fucking important. But that was obvious to so me in important. the last book. I, I It was. We okay. called that last book. Yeah, we talked about it last time. I was like, oh, this is so clearly going to come into play later. Yes. So another thing that they bring up is that she thinks that the iron box that Garrick and Travis found at Resin is some kind of lure for the for the venom. And it's definitely something that they're looking into, but it's definitely a Navarian object, which is interesting. So, like, why would Never have a, something that they could use to lure the Venom? But don't you remember, like, them talking about in the... God, I can't remember what they called them. Like, I guess, like, briefings, right? Mm-hmm. Both Zayden and Violet kind of were like, it's... <clears throat> in Battle Brief, you mean? Thank you. Yes, Battle Brief. In Battle Brief, they were like, it's like they're looking for something. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is what they're looking for. What they're for. looking for. Yes. But what would they be looking for? That's, that is my question. Yeah. Oh, a thousand We don't have percent. an answer. We don't yeah. have an answer. I don't know what it is, but they're definitely looking for something. Yeah. And this they could be talk, it. Yeah. This could be it. They also talk about, you know, the sage who's kind of like the leader of the dark wielders. 
and how they seem to be targeting Nevaeh's borders with an attempt to reach the dragon hatchling grouse because that is the most that's where most of the magic and most of the power resides in the continent right that's the goal now now we understand why why Nevaer why they're attacking Nevaer a little bit more um she also explains to Brennan that when you kill the venom it kills all of the wyvern that it made so like that's a game changer i don't know why it took them thank you for her to do it to figure that out i thought that was so fucking fucking obvious i know i'm like this is super fucking obvious there's a lot of shit we're gonna say that about in this book because there's a lot of shit that was super fucking obvious that violet just fucking missed for some reason and it's annoying (sighs) yeah yeah so she they also talk about how the the scribes really do hold a lot more power in the Nevaire political system because they're the ones who are putting out all the public announcements. So they're the ones who are weaving this propaganda around the Griffins and the Drifts to keep people from thinking about it potentially being Benin. I mean, what what is that saying that the winners write the history books or something like uh-huh. that? Mm-hmm. That's what's mm-hmm. important is like what is written down and what is spoken, what is taught. So yep. I, I a thousand percent agree. I think she said it in the last book, like they hold the most power. They're the ones putting this shit out there. Yeah. And propaganda and media in that regard can be incredibly powerful if you're looking to control a nation absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so another thing that they bring up is that something killed off all of the venom 600 years ago during the great war and it is the weapon that the revolution is actively looking for that is like their main goal. They want to figure this out. I have no additional comments. I like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is what they are doing. <laughs> that is what they are doing. That is what they are looking for. <laughs> yes. And so one of the things that comes up during this conversation, though, is the fact that Erasia has a like dormant ward stone. So the way that there's a ward all around Nevaire, and that's all generated out of Basquiat, we learn. There's one of those in Erasia, but they don't know how to light it. And they're hoping that they can figure it out through the luminary, which essentially like intensifies dragon fire. And it's what, that's how it helps in the making of these weapons. Um, and Violet also offers to try to get information on the scribe archives to help them with all of these problems. But Brennan's like, don't, it's too risky, especially because she doesn't have a rebellion mark. So she 
can be found out a lot easier than the rebellion kids because Melgren can predict, can see what she's doing. Can and then can I interject here? Yes. Okay. To me, this early on the book, this has been explained to Violet. Uh huh. Okay. We spend a lot of time about her, or like listening to her complain about Zayden, and it's like, bitch, like it was explained to you so fucking early. Mm-hmm. Why it is a bad idea that you know everything. Oh, there's a second point to why it's a bad idea for her to know anything. It's because she has little ability to shield her mind from people like Dane Ados and his signet ability. Exactly. And I'm pretty confident he is not the only one who has the ability to read fucking minds. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. It's very bad. But, but the and fact that this just goes to piss Violet off. She's mad at Brennan and she's mad at Zayden for not trusting her. And it's not that they don't trust her. It's that she's a liability. That's the part that I'm like, it's it pisses me off so much. And it's like you so much. are such a it like I think I even sent you voice notes to this effect. It is so apparent that you are still a fucking child. You might be, I don't remember how old her fucking age 21. is. 21. You might be 21, but the fact that, like, you did not hear that, like, maybe at first, like, yeah, sure, knee-jerk reaction, I'm pissed you're not telling me everything. But when somebody explains to you why it is so dangerous that you know everything and why you shouldn't, and it makes complete logical fucking sense i don't know maybe an adult would hear that and be like you know what that's a great fucking point i'm gonna shut up but no i'm gonna shut up and work on my shield yes but no she's just gonna bitch about it god like i'm gonna okay I, I, hopefully most of you have read the book if you haven't i'm sorry i'm gonna spoil something for you but it's really not a spoiler like she complains so fucking much in this book mm-hmm. about how she is Harry oh. Potter and Order of the Phoenix in oh, this book. My God, like shut up already about how he won't tell you things like ask him <sighs> fucking questions. Yeah, like not only like one, it's been explained to you why you shouldn't know everything. We just covered that. But two, I don't know. He's said to you like a bazillion times. Ask me. Ask me. Have you asked him a single fucking question? No. 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 So welcome. there's a lot of moments where I'm going to point out that Zayden is actually doing so much work to prove that he is trustworthy to her. Thank you. So much work. And she is just being indignant. She's for the no problem. Reason. She's the problem here. She is the problem. Okay. She is. She I'm is glad the problem. We agree. Okay. There's my early rant. Um, because we spend a significant amount of time, like doing this, so I I may like touch on this again, but I won't do uh, a oh, full rant. There you go. 
it will probably come up in every episode until like maybe the last one because she complains about literally everything. That's such a whiny bitch. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Moving forward. After this conversation, Zayden takes her to go see her dragons because she has not seen them since she's woken up. She's been in a coma, healing from the poison blade and all that kind of stuff. And they get to the hatchling grounds and she sees Indarna for the first time. And Taryn comes into her head and he's like, stay calm. She'll respond to your agitation and wake up in a temper. So she sees her and Indarna is not a golden feather tail. No. Anymore. No. No. And she's like so much bigger like twice the size she had been just a few days ago so it is like a big deal and her scales are described as black yes note they like notate that everybody i can i combine three words there notate that everyone (laughs) so then Everyone is kind of freaked. Well, you know, Violet has a moment of being like, holy shit, I'm bonded to two black dragons. And she she's like, he's like, Taryn's response was technically she was gold when you bonded her. Not even she knew what color her scales would mature to. Only the eldest of our dens can sense a hatchling's pigment. In fact, Two more black dragons have hatched in this la- in the last year, according to Coda. So there are dragons in the Empyrean who know what the dragons will be. Which is interesting. <laughs> we also, she still doesn't have her like final tail form. Um, and just Violet makes a statement of if there's a morning star tail on her and it's like, and he says, tails are a matter of choice and need. Don't they teach you anything? So dragons get to pick their fucking tails, which is so cool. Very cool. I agree. But also, do you remember earlier when we talked about like how Who was it that was like, oh, I'm so interested in dragons and blah, 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 like learning their mating habits and stuff. Yeah. um, Colonel Atos. Exactly. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Brain tickles. Brain tickles. (laughs) I just like that just came out of my mouth and it was perfect. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not wrong. It is perfect. So another thing that they bring up is that Violet's mom wasn't at on the dais when the war games orders were handed out. She wasn't there. So she doesn't fucking know exactly what's going on. But Atos was, and Atos was in charge of the war games. So he 100% is in on what the fuck happened. But it's in the air right now whether 
Violet's mom was in on sending them to the trap that was Athven. I'm fairly certain I was sending you voice notes. Like, she totally did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. You have zero trust in Lilith. I'm willing nope. to to see it out. I feel like she might be a red herring. I am going to respond in where I felt at that point in the book, in that answer. Totally disagree with you. <laughs> you do. And, like, Fair. it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But, like, the her name choice was, like, a big thing to me. Mm-hmm. Because... Names are important. Yeah. And the fact that her name is Lilith is like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, we're just, you know, heading off to, to go back to Baskaya <laughs> and to graduation. So it's a long flight. And they're trying to be sneaky because they don't want anybody to see Andarna. Because nobody really knows a lot about Dragon Youth. And um, they really don't want to talk about how she's not a feather tail anymore because they don't want to explain it. Nope. Mm-mm. Because so I think because it, it'll be so obvious to every, everyone. Yeah. it'll it, you. The only way is to tell the truth. Exactly. There's no, There's no getting around it. No, absolutely not. It'll be so fun, they said. (laughs) And that brings us all the way to chapter three. (laughs) I feel like this is going to take us a while to get through this. I have lots of opinions. We do. We have a lot to say. So, again, I had to mark the little blurb at the beginning because I feel like it was important. It is. It definitely, definitely there's, is. I feel like there's a lot of important, crucial information being shared with us in these little blurbs. Okay. So this one says, there is no moment as rewarding, as stirring, as anticlimactic as the writer quadrant's graduation. It is the only time I've ever envied the infantry quadrant. Now those cadets know how to hold a ceremony. And this is from Major Afrenda's Guide to the Gu- to the Writer's Quadrant, but the unauthorized edition. I love that they put those little tidbits in. Authorized. Official guide. Unauthorized. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get back to, to Basgaith and they are dropping off Indarna and the other dragons in the hatchling grounds so that they can hide her. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, hang on. So, obviously, yes, Zayden had withheld information from Violet, but so did Tarn. So she's still working on a little bit of uh, mending of ways with her and Tarn and Indarna. And so Taryn gives us some really great information. And I know I have sexy man voice, but I cannot do 
the growly voice that that one guy on TikTok did for Taryn, which is exactly how I heard Taryn in my head. Same. Was it you that sent me that or did I come that across was my me. Okay. No, that was that was me. Uh, okay, to be fair, you and I send each other so much a lot of identical t- TikToks. Yes. I, like cuz sometimes we'll send it in text and sometimes we'll send it in the like app itself on the platform. Right. Yeah. So we'll accidentally send each other the same shit in dif- All the time. in the different platform. So I feel like our for you page are so fucking similar that it like you know yeah it, it it's cross-pollinated i never know if i saw it first or if you sent it to me first so yeah yeah as soon as i saw that i sent it to you and my thinking was this is exactly how i heard Taryn in my head same same exactly so much like like to a t please cast him for the graphic audio as Taryn's voice. I gotta buy the graphic audio. It's, I don't think it's out yet. Oh, it's not? I don't think so. Oh, you know what? That's right. Like, it takes a little while. Because I want to say, like... There's, like, production to it. Yeah. I I need to help picking a book to start that with. Because, like... I'm so nervous. (laughs) I was really nervous, too. I honestly was fine. Okay. I I was really nervous. There's nothing to be nervous about. Because I know what you're nervous about. You're nervous about the sex scene. (laughs) If I can get through Silver Flame and the level of smut that goes on in that. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's a lot of smut. You know, like, I love the books so much. Iron Flame, too. Um, Same thing with less so with Throne of Glass. I love them so much. They're really good. I enjoy reading them. But it's so hard to recommend them to people sometimes. Because I'm like, I don't know how you feel about these things. Fair. Like, totally fair. Here's a perfect example. My mother in law. Okay. Mm -hmm. She reads, but I'm like, do I recommend these books to her? And then do I risk her thinking to herself, what the fuck is my daughter in law reading? Like, I don't know. But they're good, like. But maybe they're, they're like so, so right up their alley, you know. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend these to my mother-in-law. I'd recommend. This. I also don't think that they're her vibe at all. I don't think no they're offense to my mother-in-law. I love her, but I don't think they're my mother-in-law's vibe either. But it, like, you know, I have friends who will post on like Facebook, and they're like looking for book recommendations blah 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 but i always try to ask genre Mm because like i fucking hate recommendations with zero context like yeah no i need some background so my dad's neighbor who 
I grew up next to. She's been there forever. She posted one of those things. And I was like, what kind of genre? Because I was totally going to recommend Throne of Glass. Um, And she was like, I like suspense and thriller, which is, to be fair, a a favorite genre of mine. Yeah. You have options there. Yeah. But um, she was like, but the next bit, I was like, never mind. She goes, none of that, like, romance stuff. And I was like, never mind. So I mean, you, so, like, to be fair, like, Akatar, I would classify as, like, a full-on romance. Yeah. Like, it is romance-forward fantasy. Yes. For sure. Throne of Glass, I don't feel like it's romance-forward. I, I feel like it is fantasy forward agree i agree and i would agree same thing with iron flame as well i don't think Mm -hmm. do is there like a relationship aspect to it yes but like i just don't feel like it's the main it's not the main plot it is the b plot yeah it's b plot and i feel like for most of throne of glass the romance is really like a c or a d plot yes however here's the qualifier okay Someone who likes thriller and suspense and stuff like that typically does not also read fantasy. Typically, no, no. So that is why I didn't recommend Throne of Glass because I'm not it because it falls too much in the fantasy category. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, if someone who was like oh i like adventure or i like strong female leads hands down oh throne of glass is like the chef's kiss perfect thing to put in there absolutely but it just based on what she described i was like this isn't her vibe you know what i mean no this is recommend a deep cut stephen king and call it good yeah Exactly. She it looked like she got a couple of recommendations, so which I may actually even pull from myself. But mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, Deep sorry. Back Kate. to Iron Flame. Back to Iron Flame. We're on literally page 23 <laughs> of the book. I'm really sorry. <laughs> this is gonna take us so long I to get through so because there's just so much. I have so I have so much listen, I don't care how long it takes us. I really don't. You know, like when we first started the pod, like I feel I we've talked about it before. I feel like we got so into the details and like it was almost like we didn't have opinions. It was like so much like we're gonna retell the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I love, I I almost love that we're taking our time. Yeah. I love talking really about it. Yes. Like, I love talking about it more than retelling the story. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my favorite part about it. And, like, you and I can go back and forth, like, a bazillion times over theories. And it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's the best we part. just need the story. Like, we need to know where we are in the story to exactly. understand the context of this information. Oh, hence. <laughs> Absolutely. But like, I know, I know we're only on page 23, but like, that's what I'm saying is like, I, but I, we have so much to say about it. Yeah. That's one thing I will say about Rebecca Yaros. She absolutely leaves so many kernels that can just get your mind 
literally whirling in how can all of this stuff connect is this part of this this is feed into this and like sjm does it too but i feel like this is kind of where rebecca like leans really heavily into is this foreshadowing is this world building or is this like i'm going to come back to this and it's gonna matter a hell of a lot like this isn't just a random thrown in detail for world building like this actually matters (sighs) yeah but on the flip side i think sarah j mass does a better job of developing the character and having the character motivations be the thing that moves the plot forward. Yes, agreed, but I would say SJM is a little more subtle, in my opinion. Yes. Like, it's there. Oh, yeah. But you have to be paying attention. And, and may, I, like... Maybe it's just like the person who loves the mystery in things like I look for that shit. So maybe mm-hmm. to me, it was it's a little more obvious with Rebecca Yaros's writing. I see. Yeah. I see it. But and that's not necessarily a knock at her writing. It's just a style difference, I think. Mm-hmm. But. She also, like, I know, like, okay, so I know I think I said SJM was a Swifty, but I know Rebecca Yaros is a big Swifty and has mm-hmm. talked about, like, heavily listening to Taylor. So her style of writing with those fine details that you were, like, talking about that she plops mm-hmm. in there is so reminiscent of Taylor Swift to me. like. Mm-hmm. there's so many there that you don't actually know which one is important and which one's not exactly yeah. and that's what i find really yes. fun yes. about this yes because you don't know we don't know the no. series isn't complete you don't know what is just a detail right to make the writing feel full and lifelike and what is Yes. An Easter egg for the future. Yes. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Like, yeah. Yeah. We just don't know. Anyways, so (laughs) as we're talking about, we're going to get back to the book now. We love this a lot, clearly. So Taryn says this, and I think it's interesting. He says, in talking about, you know... The situation within Darna and trying to keep her under wraps and all that kind of stuff. Um, Violet asks him, I still don't understand why the Empyrean would ever agree to let dragons bond human writers, knowing that they have to guard their own young, not only against Griffin flyers, but the very humans that they're supposed to trust. And he res- Taryn responds with, it's a delicate balance the first six writers were desperate to save their people when they approached the den over 600 years ago. Those dragons formed the first Empyrean and bonded humans only to protect their hatchling grounds from Venon, who were the bigger threat. We don't exactly have opposable thumbs for weaving wards or runes. Neither species has ever been entirely truthful both using the others for their own reasons and nothing more. 
I just think it's really interesting that there is a symbiotic relationship between dragons and humans, but it's not one based on trust. It's one based on need. They need each other. And it, the lack of this to me is like, obviously it is a huge theme in iron flame is this concept of trust. And we're seeing it presented in a lot of different facets. And one of those is the, the lack of real trust between the humans and the dragons. And what is that a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? Or is it a neutral thing? And if so, what are the consequences of lacking this trust? And I think we'll get into it eventually. I agree. I think it's going to matter a lot. I think so, too. So Indarna is uh, an adolescent, and she needs to go into what's called the dreamless sleep. And it is a very critical... um, stage in a dragon's life and it is essentially when they just rapidly go from a youngling to a full-grown dragon Mm -hmm. so it is very important and it needs to be done in the hatchling grounds it needs to be done in certain places so that all of the magic does what it needs to do it's like puberty exactly that's a Exactly. It's dragon puberty. And so one of the things that we have to remember is that it is tradition for them as a people to burn all of the belongings of the people who are deceased. When they die, they burn all those their belongings as sort of a offering to their death god, Malak. So they know that this is going to happen to Liam. All of his belongings in his room are going to be burned. So they get off of their dragons and they head in and they make one stop before going to formation and they have to be quick about it. They go, Zayden and Violet go in together and they take the letters that Liam had written to his sister Sloan and Violet hides them and has Rian. They run into Rhiannon as she's coming out of Liam's room, and she gives the letters to Rhiannon to hide because Rhiannon also has kept items from someone who that that should have been burned. Um, and they tell her that Liam has is dead, and um, it's pretty sad. It was a super sad moment. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. I hate that they do that. I know. Like, I have a feeling that there's probably a reason to oh, it. Yeah. it. And I think it ties into one of my many, many theories. I also think, yeah, I'm sure it does. But I'll add in there, like, I'm, it probably has something to do with leadership and suppressing things from coming out. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. So I'm sure we'll revisit this in the coming books. Yeah. And Zayden. So we haven't really talked about their relationship yet, but the Violet and Zayden are in um, 
different places. Mm-hmm. Violet's real pissed at him, and he is essentially to do willing to do almost anything to earn her trust back. Right. He's being very forthright in information, but he just tell her when she's like, Well, you you promise to tell me everything. And he's like, I can't promise to tell you everything. If this is gonna work, we're gonna have to be able to have boundaries with each other. Like this is we're in war. We're yeah. dragon riders. And I'm also like the de facto leader of a revolution. There's going to be secrets sometimes. And she's just being, this is one of the things we're going to be annoyed about with Violet for like a lot of this book. She's being real annoying about it. Yeah. Like, okay. Coming, you and I are both former. Okay. I am a former Former military military spouse. Yeah. In different senses of the word here. But like, that is kind of part of the package deal. Yeah. Like, you don't get to know everything. You have super limited information. So. A hundred percent. And it changes on the daily. Yeah. And it's, it's annoying. It's like, don't get me wrong. It's so fucking annoying. And then like, also when they get together and they know that the other person knows something that they're allowed to know as well, like Mm -hmm. in common. And then, you know, they'll either go off and talk by themselves or they'll talk in code and you're like, ugh, it's so fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, I mean, sailors don't like to talk about work when they're not on the boat. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's more like a signal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's John. Yeah. John being in the nuclear Navy, he was, he had a lot of things about his job that were classified. Yeah. Like legitimately classified. Mm -hmm. So like I got to do a family cruise. And so like we, um, you take a camera with you if you get to go out on an aircraft carrier for a day. Mm -hmm. And when he showed us where he worked, I had to put my camera in my backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's just part of the gig. Yeah. Like, and the fact that she's literally in war college. And his is a military brat. Her mom is a high-ranking general. Yeah, like, get the fuck over yourself. Like, you are so out of pocket here for the, like, environment and family that you have grown up in. The fact that she whines about this for, like, 75% of the book. Is really fucking annoying. Yeah. So another, th- so she asks Zayden. It's her first like question, and he makes this little quip of like, "Oh, you're not so great at communication, are you?" <laughs> She's not. <laughs> She's, She's not. not. She's really bad at communication, actually. Yeah. Um. She asks if the revolution has any scribes on their side. Which I think is a valid question. Great question. To ask. And he's like, yeah, there isn't, we can't, like, uh, the least trustworthy quadrant is the fucking scribes. So no, because they're all complicit with whatever the fuck is happening, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happens. Oh, and that. so, yeah, so they. <sighs> 
she confronts him again about withholding the truth about venom and the revolution and brennan and i'm like he could not have told no. you what did she expect him to do i don't know i honestly don't know so yeah i just want to shake violet a lot of the time so much during this so much so much so zayden explains to her that while she can trust him full disclosure will risk the lives of everyone involved and he tells her he's like you have to you have two choices here you either have to lie to your friends about what has happened or you have to kind of distance if you can't lie to them you have to distance yourself from them like lying is part of the game at this point because we don't know if we can trust them Yep. So she, he's a hundred percent right. She is just being annoying. And Violet lays down this gauntlet of a ultimatum that I don't like. I don't think real relationships function with ultimatums, Violet. This was a bad choice on you for you. Yeah. She says she cannot be in a relationship with Zayden if he's not going to offer her full and complete disclosure of everything. And I think that that is total bullshit. Total bullshit. Oh yeah. I'm super on board with you. <laughs> like total fucking bullshit. So they're arguing because that's what they're going to do for a lot of this. It's very fun. And he says something that I just loved. So I'm going to say it to you so you can also remember that you might love this statement. He goes, um, <laughs> he nods like those words had been included in the original promise when we both know damn well they weren't because you didn't fall for any ordinary writer. You fell for the leader of a revolution to some degree. I am always going to have secrets. Yep. And when I read this the first time, I was like, yeah, that's very obvious that he is going to have secrets as the leader of a revolution. But I feel like he meant more than just a revolution. Like, I was like, hmm, Mr. Zayden, what other secrets are you keeping? Why do you think that? Like, I didn't get that vibe. I very much got, like, the conversation that we just had. Like, dude, this is kind of what kind of comes with it. Like, you're being so unrealistic right now. It's ridiculous. I think partially why I had the brain tingles on this mm -hmm. was because I came into this book very heavily believing in the two signet theory. Okay. I'm not seeing like the I'm not picking up the implication that you're putting down. Are we too I, I early for spoilers? <laughs> 
I mean, we made it to page 30. Yay! (laughs) I think it's the part of the sentence that says, to some degree, I am always going to have secrets. Like, he could have said, you fell for a leader of a revolution, I'm always going to have secrets. He didn't need to have the, the prefacing of to some degree is the thing that I found interesting. But, like, Okay, that's super fair. Super fair. I guess the reason I dismissed it is because, like, Violet seems to think that Zayden owes her absolutely every single piece of information. She feels very entitled to his, yeah. to everything. And, and she's not. No, she's not. But on top of that, like, I get to me the way, like what I took from what Zayden was trying to say. It's like I I literally can't tell you everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, but even that, it's like I don't even think he's trying to keep things from her. It's like I can't literally tell you every single thought that I'm having. You know what I mean? No. And no, like they're, you're just going to forget to tell somebody sometimes. But yeah, like I cannot tell you how many times I forget to tell my husband like some random thing like, oh, we need this at the grocery store. Exactly. Like, like sometimes you just forget shit. Exactly. Like I'm the worst about it. I really am. Are. I really am. And like I try really hard not to be. But I am. But mm-hmm. like I would never... Like she, she just has this insanely unrealistic expectation. She hundred percent. She she wants every single thing, and it's like it's literally impossible to do that. Yeah, and in Violet's defense, okay, this is one thousand percent a trauma response because in the matter of a couple of days, she learned that. Venom are real. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Wyverns are real. Her brother, who she thought was dead, is in fact alive, alive. and well <laughs> yeah. and leading a revolution. The man she is falling in love with is also the leader of a revolution. Against her mother. Is besties with some, some Griffin writers. The Griffin writers aren't actually bad. They're mostly good. And they're actually doing all the heavy lifting of fighting the venom that she didn't know existed. Um, her mother is complicit in hiding this from literally the entire nation. And she's been lied to for pot- potentially her entire life about a lot of stuff. She's allowed to have a trauma response. She's not handling it well. This is so fair, and I really didn't take any of that into consideration. If I'm being honest, like, I kind of forgot it. Like, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, yeah. Like, I totally forgot about all that shit. Violet's literal world has turned upside oh, yeah. down. I, yeah, she definitely had the rug pulled out from under her. Yeah, I forgot yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> There's 
there's so much going on. I just forgot about this massive amount of trauma this character has gone through. It's, well, so I guess- do I think her making those demands of Zayden are, it's unachievable and it's unfair to do to him? Yes. Do I think she needs some, some therapy? Yes. Yes, I do. I want to like open a, a fantasy book character therapy office. Feyre can come. Nesta can come. Violet can come. Bryce can come. Reese. You know, all of the people from Throne of Glass need to come. Oh, God. All of them. All of them. All of them. Just, just ever. All, all of the SJM characters can come get some therapy, work through their trauma. <laughs> like, I, I feel like this is, you know, this is what we need. How to deal with your fantasy trauma 101. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> just saying, just saying. So then they kind of conclude their... Their fight is so dumb, it's, and I don't even want to get into it because they're going to have it like 17 yeah, more times we don't in this need to. book. Like, we really We're going to skip this one because I just can't. So they walk out during formation in the morning to Captain Fiskism, Fitzgibbons. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. Calling Garrick Travis and Zayden Ryderson on the death roll and Zayden comes out here as a sassy sassy man and literally says well this is awkward my job thank you Zayden for being a proper shadow zaddy (laughs) and having a dramatic entrance oh yeah so I know it does not feel like we have gotten that far, but we have been talking for over an hour about the first three chapters of this book. So I think on this very dramatic, they have all been. I think it's a perfect place to stop, dead, Honestly, is a great place to pause. Yeah. Before we go into chapter four, I think it's a great place. I really do. Listen, I'm happy to take my time with the book. I really am. Me too. I adore this book. It's so fun. I call it like a popcorn read where it's just exciting and thrilling. Yeah. And fun. Like edge of your seat reading. This agreed. Now I will say this. It wasn't my favorite. I it, I really enjoyed I some, the first one it, better. It, it was a four-star read. Mm. I really enjoyed it, but there was something. I'm going to go. Like the, Viden, the Violet Zayden constant fighting for like two-thirds of the book. Yeah. That I just didn't want to deal with. <laughs> I'm going to go like three and a half. There. Like I'm a very conservative. I like everything almost. Yeah, same. <laughs> so like it's very difficult for me to like I start at a five and work my way down. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. I kind of expect 
most books to be like entertaining. And even if I get to a point where I'm like, you know what? Like, I just can't read this. Mm -hmm. It's not even to me that it's bad. It's it's more of like, this just isn't for me. I'm not the right audience. You know, I am not the right audience. Yeah, I feel that I read a book on Kindle and it was, you know, you know, we love stuff your Kindle day. We love the free books. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. They're not. And it was not great. I finished it. Like, I wasn't like not going to finish it. A, I read it in like a day. So it wasn't like it was a long read. Yeah. But I was just like, wow, the conflict in this is so dumb. I can't even, like, it was so unrememberable. And I'm a person who, I, you know this, I fucking remember everything. Every, I, I can't even remember what the conflict was. Oh, no. Of this book. That's not good. It's not, it's, it was very unremarkable. Yeah, that's not good at all. So it only got two stars for me because it really was just like, meh. Like, I finished it. I didn't hate my life reading it. Would I recommend it to anyone? No. Would I ever read it again? No. Am I going to go buy a physical copy to add it to my bookshelf? No. I, I'm. Honestly, there's so many, there's so few books that I actually, like, really don't like Mm -hmm. that I can still, it's probably honestly on one hand. And I'll tell you what one of them is, which may be a hot take. I really, really did not like Fifty Shades of Grey. I didn't finish it. I never read it. I thought it was okay, and and this is so very much in my opinion. I thought it was awful writing, and I don't say that very often. You know that Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fan fiction. I do that blew up on the internet and then got properly published. I do. So like, but the writing was never good. But that's the problem, I guess. It's like, I have zero issue with fanfic being published. Like, I, I don't have a problem with the origins of it. But like, as Shame's a great example, like, Throne of Glass isn't fanfic, but she was 16 when she wrote Throne of Glass. Mm hmm. That is fucking impressive so i'm sure it went through many many rounds of editing yeah but that's my point get to where it was but that's my point yeah is that like she was 16 and still capable of producing excellent work that i'm sure Mm -hmm. still like it went through several rounds of editing but like she was an adult like where was the several rounds of editing there oh there wasn't any editing it was a cash grab to to 
ride the twilight wave. But it was it, it was such a misrepresentation of BDSM culture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's not good. No. There's so much wrong with it and it's like I watch that and like even if you have like peripheral knowledge of BDSM it's like so it's like that is not consensual like things that happen it's like that is not a healthy relationship in any way shape or form no and like from what I hear the spice isn't even that good I didn't even get there I didn't even get there Mm. I was like I can't I it's it's I also uh, yeah I really don't like the whole like virgin trope oh yeah no I'm not a big fan. No, thank you. Like, I can, in certain situations, I can tolerate the pregnancy trope. I don't like it. I don't like it. I will tolerate it in certain situations. I honestly haven't even read all that much that has had pregnancy in it. Like, that that I would, con- I don't know. That w- that was a major plot point other than, like, Game of Thrones, which I don't feel like fits the, like, quote, pregnancy trope bit. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't. So I'm not going to, I would have to dig around, but it was an audio book I listened to last year where she has a one night stand with this guy. She's, like, out in, like, on, a, like, a girl's night in a town she doesn't live in going on a girl's night okay has a one night stand gets pregnant okay moves to a new town because she's gonna be working there i oh she's like a influencer who does like house remodels and she does all the remodeling herself so she buys this house in this new town as like her next project for her social media stuff stuff Okay. Ends up being his t- his town by like total haps and because it's a book, of course it is right. And they don't like immediately jump into a relationship, but mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh shit!" I le- she like didn't know his name. Kind of a one night stand, <laughs> and she's like, "I didn't have any idea how to contact you. I would have if I had known." Yeah. P.S. This is your kid. And he's like kind of a perpetual bachelor. Yeah. Didn't think he'd ever have kids. And they, they, like, it's not, it is the reason why they are in each other's world, but, but then, like, they have, they, other things happen to get them yeah. to be, like, in a relationship it's not with the, each other. It's not the focus, I guess. No. I, yeah. No. I, that's what I feel like. Like, obviously, there were certain things in, like, Game of Thrones. I, like, I know I'm co- I know I said it earlier and I'm coming back to it. But, like, obviously, like, pregnancy came into play and lineage and parentage and stuff like that. But I don't know. It just didn't feel. Bleh. I don't yeah. have a word think, for it. <laughs> I think what it is is that, like, I don't. I'm okay if the pregnancy is the inciting incident of the book. Uh-huh. Like, oh shit, I'm pregnant. Now what? Kind of thing. Yeah. I'm okay with. But I don't like it when we're in a relationship 
and we get pregnant and then like he turns into an asshole. Yeah. Or like his he you know, I don't like that kind of thing. And like it's the inciting it's the conflict for the breakup. That's where I don't like pregnancy trope. Okay. Or it's like the reason they get back together after they've broken up. Oh, I up. fucking hate that. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Because I read another one where, wait, it's going to come back. I had it in my head and then it, it floated away. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> oh, I read another one. And this is like a multi-part series. And it's going to sound wacko. It does contain things I don't like in it, where it was a book about two people who were going through sex addiction addiction treatment. Okay. He was actually just a hoe bag, slept around a lot. Yeah. She was actually a virgin who was being blackmailed into working as an escort. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so they end up in a relationship together. And she ends up getting pregnant. But it's, like, not an issue. Yeah. It's just, like, the next thing that happened in the story. Right. But, like, also, like, in so many pieces of media so many women end up having, like, such traumatic births. Like, it's always so dramatic. Like, in in the one where they they were both sex addicts, mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets hit by a car. Jesus. Yes, she gets in a yeah, and that's how like she goes into labor. <laughs> oh my god! I yeah. thought you were just like okay, because I was gonna say like like birth, birth is sucks. traumatic. I was gonna say no, like no. Oh my god! Like uh, no, there's always like <laughs> something that happens that like is a scare or something in pregnancy tropes, and I also don't enjoy that. No, I mean, cause like I fucking hated being pregnant. Like, don't get me wrong, I love my daughters, but like, I did not have good pregnancies. You know, I didn't have good pregnant. Like, I you did not. I spent a lot of time in ERs, and like, I just no, thank you. My body, like, I literally had one of my OBGYNs tell me, like, your body just does not like being pregnant. <laughs> so it's like, so to me, it's like, sh- that shit fucking sucked. And it, and it was traumatic in its own way. And then my sister had a terrible, like, time. And it was, that was also traumatic in its own way. But, like, getting hit by a car are you fucking kidding me that's not what i thought you were gonna say yeah yeah it's like very when i say it's so dramatic i mean it is so dramatic oh my god there was one it was like this four-hour audiobook i listened to last year where it was like a very insta love situation where like they she's a bartender in his bar but he's also in the mafia don't ask we're not gonna stress about it like mafia aesthetic tiktok thing yes i will not do it i don't even Um, understand what that means what is that it means you wear like furs and you have big hair and i like you're sassier i'm okay i'm sassy you are you are not mafia wife no i was gonna say i don't feel like i fit this bill i also 
Like it's like odd because it was all of a sudden it was like one day was I saw like fifteen TikToks mob wife aesthetic. Yeah, Where it's did the it new clean from? aesthetic. They they saw a Jersey girl and they're like, I like that look. That movie is trash. Not the movie Jersey girl. A individual woman who lives in Jersey. Okay. Who- <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> why on earth? That is so. It's such a bad movie. Oh. It is. But I definitely said they saw a Jersey okay. girl. I'm sorry. It's like, wait. Like, why would you want to dress after something that was like so bad? I don't know, but like it's uh yeah. Anyways, we have gone very deep into a very <laughs> random rabbit hole. We should probably just wrap this episode up at this point. It has been a doozy. I agree. I'm sorry, everyone. I appreciate you joining us for the ride. Being inside of our friendship is fun. This is why we have a podcast, because we knew other people would enjoy this insanity. anyways thank you so much for listening if you want to check out what is coming up next on the pod be sure to follow us on instagram it's mel and joe geek out or if you have a suggestion of what we should be geeking about out about next shoot us an email over at jill and mel geek out at gmail.com again my name is melissa and i'm jill and this has been mel and jill geek out bye guys (laughs) Bye. Bye.